chapter 14, and we want to talk from the theme entitled Overcoming Fallen Angels and Demonic Powers. Overcoming Fallen Angels and Demonic Powers. And we find in this particular chapter, the 14th chapter, also in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, um, John writes even more about this in the 7th and 11th verses in that chapter. But chapter 14, beginning with verse number 12, and he addresses, uh, this is a prophecy that Isaiah has around 705 to 740 BC is the time that this is actually written or recorded. Babylon had already fallen and then Assyria falls behind Babylon because of the way and the wickedness of their time and their days. And the king of Babylon is considered to be a type of Satan or type of wicked person. And so Isaiah warns not only him, but he warns all the nations of the future of the wrath of God to coming or what we know as the day of the Lord. So he tells this particular king about what's going to happen to him. But in light, it refers back to Satan, who is Lucifer, who is the day star, who is the light. All of these things that Satan calls himself the deceiver. He talks about all of this in this chapter. And also, if you read the 28th chapter of Jeremiah, you will find that he talks even more about the behavior of the enemy and what he will do to confuse and deceive and even destroy you as a person who seeks God. See, he comes after the believers. He comes after the church and all of those who put their faith and trust in God. Ushers, you may be seated. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We bless you and glorify your holy and righteous name. We ask you now to come in among us and teach us. Bring back to our hearts those things that we've already studied. Lord, we ask your blessings upon this assembly of your people that have gathered here. We ask, Lord, that you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive the engrafted word of God and to apply it to our living. That we may be a better people as we reach other souls for thee. In Christ Yeshua's mighty name, that all God's people say, Amen. And God bless you this morning. We find that demons are spiritual beings, personalities that operate above the laws of the natural and uh, the invisible. Demons have intellectual nature uh, through which they possess human or superhuman knowledge. Mark tells us in the first chapter in the 23rd verse, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Yeshua of Nazareth? Thou art the Holy One of God. And Yeshua rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace and come out of him. So demons can live inside of humans if we allow them to have access to our physical body. You see people running around with all types of convulsions and doing all types of things that's ungodly and holy and unholy. That's because they are possessed by demons and devils. Yes, yes. Word of God tells us and shares with us that Christ commanded this demon to come out. And I think I told you one time before that when you deal with Satan and you rebuke Satan, you have to say the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Yes, Lord. Not you yourself, but the Lord rebuke you. 
And when God rebukes him, then he knows he has been rebuked. So when we rebuke Satan, we have to rebuke him according to the word, according to the will, and according to the plan of God for us. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You have no authority over my family. You have no authority over my uh, children. You have no authority over my husband or my, uh, 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 my immediate family or my friends or my job or my neighborhood. So when the enemy attacks, you just say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you in this area and use the word of God to your defense. Because that's why he gave us the word of God, the sword of the spirit, that we may use it to defend ourselves and to defend others in the body of Christ. The enemy is attacking you physically. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Take your physical hands or your filthy hands off of me. Let the healing of God manifest and induce in my life. Demons are consulted in spiritual articles through uh, spiritualistic mediums who allow themselves to go under the control of evil spirits. Acts tells us in the 16th chapter, in the 16th verse, there was a girl who followed Paul, saying, these are the servants, him and Silas, saying, these are the servants of the Most High God, who come to show men the way of salvation. And this little girl had the spirit of divination in her, and she kept saying that. These are the servants of the Most High God. Every time Paul and Silas would come along, ministering the word of God or trying to preach, these are the servants of the Most High God, who come to show the men the way of the salvation. And Paul got tired of hearing that. He turned around and he rebuked her and commanded the demon to come out. And everybody got mad at Paul and had him thrown in jail because she was a soothsayer. And everybody was making money in merchandise from the, from, from the things that she was saying. But when he rebuked the demon and it came out of her, she couldn't do that anymore. So they got mad with him and had him thrown in jail. But the Bible tells us that we have been given authority over all of the powers of the enemy. Remember, he called the disciples into him, and he gave them power against all clean spirits. He gave them power against all clean spirits, against serpents and scorpions and all of the powers of Satan. God gave the men of God, the apostles of that day, authority over the enemy. When you see your children acting out of character, you need to rebuke that. Lord, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Come out of my child. Oh. Leave him alone with, the, with, with sickness. Leave him alone with disease. Leave him alone with all of the attacks that you would bring against him. The Bible tells us that, that not only does he, this, this girl was a soothsayer, but it says in the ancient days of spiritualism, the erroneous behavior of spiritual or evil spirits took control of even the humans. I think we talked a couple of weeks ago where uh, these devils came out of this man and went in the swamp. And the swine said, we're not going to tolerate this. And they ran into the river and drowned themselves. Yes. So if the devil don't want the, the demon, if the animals don't want the devil in them, then you know we don't want him in us. If a pig says, I can't take it, I got to go. He asked the Lord, can we go down in the river? He said, go. And when they went down there and drowned themselves, them demons had to come out because they didn't have no place to harbor. See, they were dwelling in your clothing. They will dwell in your home. They will dwell in your vehicle. You ever bought a car and they just give you all trouble all the time? Never, never run right, never do right. The devil has been involved with that. Demons have got in the engine and just giving you, coughing you an arm and a leg to keep it running. So you need to rebuke that and say, come out of my car, you evil spirit. See, God tells us in the word, we have authority over the enemy. We have authority over demons. Look at verse number um, 12 in the 
uh, Isaiah chapter 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Now, that's what, the, that's what Lucifer said. Remember, he was this beautiful angel that had been created for the glory of God. His job was to, do, was to be over worship and to allow the glory of God to manifest and come from his presence as he worshiped and led all of the worshipers in heaven. He was the most beautiful angel that God created. But guess what? I'm like, just like some of us, he got the big head. He knew it all. Nobody couldn't tell him nothing. And he decided, I think I can just take over everything. You got that person that just feel like I can do it myself. I don't need your help. And, but he forgot God made him too. So even though God gave you some authority, don't forget that he still made you. God is not inside of time. He's outside of time. And since he's outside of time, he's in control of everything and everybody. He says, I, the devil said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I told you he was in the second heaven. See, the first atmosphere, you have the stars. And then above the stars, you have the second heaven. And then above that, you have the kingdom of God. And Satan said, I'm going to set up my throne above the stars. And I will sit also upon the mount of assemblies in the side of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will be like Elo Elohim or El Elyon. He said, I'll be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to hell. That's what. Now, this is a prophecy that Isaiah gives. He said, Satan, you think you got it going on. Some people like that. You ever had that friend? They think they got it going on, messing with everybody, mistreating everybody, doing all kinds of things. And it seems like ain't nothing happening to them. You just getting all in a pity party. You going through everything and seem like they just living their lives and ain't nothing happening but just hold it a minute. The word of God tells us in the 37th chapter of the book or the 37th Psalm that God will allow you to see the destruction of the wicked. So you just keep your faith and trust in God. You just keep doing what is righteous and what is holy. And God will get those demons and those devils. If people yield themselves and let the devil use them, God got their number and he is going to give you the victory. Matter of fact, you're already walking in victory. It's just not manifested yet. But you already got the victory. You're a child of God. The blood covers you. See, after a while, Satan has to turn you loose. He has to let you go. He can't continue to harbor and mess over you. Because God will put a stand and put a step in there and say, get back, devil. Leave my child alone. He says, and you shall you have you will be brought down to hell and to the sides of the pit, and they that see you. Then they that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth tremble? Y'all remember that movie? What a, what, a, what a sergeant said, Is this the man? I can't remember the name of the movie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's one of those uh, 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 with Eddie Murphy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When the, when the officer walked in there, the captain of, of the uh, police guard, he said, is this the man that created all this trouble, all these problems? And he was talking about Eddie Murphy, and he put him out of town. Yes. I can't remember the name. And y'all know what I'm talking about, the name of that movie. Yes. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, when Eddie Murphy was doing all of that, causing all those problems. And that, that verse right there is the verse he's talking about. Is this the man? Yes. 
And see, he refers to Satan and he says, is this the man that destroyed kingdoms? That uh, came up against the children of Israel? That created all this? Is this the man? That's what Christ is going to say. When he comes in the day of the Lord and pass judgment. And Satan is going to be bound for 1,000 years in hell. Then he's going to be loosed and turned loose on the earth for a little while longer. And then when Christ get a hold to him the second time, he's going to throw him in the flames. See, he says at first he's going to put him right beside there and chain him to hell. But then whenever he lets him go and he continues his, his foolishness, he's going to take him and throw him right in the middle of the flames. And he will be in there and that will be his second death. And he will never escape death again. He will be, will be there eternally. And the last place you and I want to go is to join him. And that's what Satan is trying to do. That's why he messes with the world system. That's why he got young people thinking it's all right to do the things that they do. You can always run to God anytime and get and ask for forgiveness, but time will eventually run out. So you keep saying, Lord, 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 have mercy, Lord, have mercy, and after a while, mercy will run out. That's why God says, you know what? I've given you chance after chance after chance after chance. You know how wives tell their husbands sometimes, uh, Negro, I've given you chance after chance after chance after chance, and I've had enough. And then they what? Put the hammer down and say, get out. I don't care if you do pay the bills. You keep paying them on some, from somewhere else. But this is what God says. He, he will get enough of Satan. And he will tell Satan, look, I've had enough. He goes, look at verse 16. He says, that they, that they, they that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, is this the man that made the earth tremble, that did shake kingdoms? that made the world a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners, all the kings of the nations, even all them lie in glory, every one in his own house, but you are cast down to the grave, an abominable branch, as, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through the sword that go down to the stones of the pit, as a carcass trodden under feet. And then he says, you shall not be joined with them in burial. He said, I'm going to leave you on earth. That's what he told this king. He said, I'm going to let your body lay on the earth and rot. He said, you're so evil. And the king was, he was so wicked. He said, Isaiah said, the prophecy that's coming forth, God's going to let your carcass lay upon the ground until it rot away. Ain't nobody going to look at you to bury you. He's going to let you lay there till you just, until all of the meat falls off your bones and you dry up and be nothing but a skeleton. He goes on to verse 20 and says, and you shall be joined to them, you shall not be joined to them in burial because you have destroyed your land and slain your people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. They'll never be recognized. You can walk, if, you, if your seed is evil, they better straighten up. Better fly right. Because God says, I got your number. The time ain't long. I know what I'm going to do and I know how I'm going to do it. But he's saying, let the devil alone. You can resist the devil. And when you resist him, the Bible says he will flee from you. Let's look at a little bit more of this. Luke tells us in the eighth chapter, demons look for moral, looks for the moral collapse of people who yield the gross carnality and sin. If you yield to gross carnality and sin, Satan got your number. This is a little, that's a matter of time for he will come after you. Revelations 9, 20, 21 says, demons possess 
uh, trembling strength, imparting it into human bodies, binding their victims as with chains and with physical defects and deformities such as insanity, dumbness, blindness, and even lead some of them to commit suicide. See, that's why I say when the devil attacks, you don't know what he may cause you to do. When the enemy get a hold of you, that's why I say, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because the last thing you need is the devil running around inside of you and giving you all, hearing all these, you hearing all these wicked, evil spirits and things telling you what to do. And you don't know which one is real and which one is not because you don't have a relationship with God. The enemy will cause you to take your very life if you're not careful. He said, keep your faith and trust in God. Don't worry about how bad things seem. Stop looking at the problem and look to God for help and a solution. See, if you speak what you want and not what you got, you'll come out of that mess. You'll come out of that situation. You got to give it to God. You got to. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how your health is. You have got to turn it over to God. Say, Lord, I know it's your will that I am well. Lord, I know it's your will that I walk in victory. Because if I walk in victory, I know that I am yours. I know that I am your child. Don't think the devil is not going to take your life because he is. See, the devil don't want you to come to God. He wants you to have a pity party. Oh, Lord, it's me again. Instead of giving him praise, you up there begging, Lord, if you just fix this this time, I won't bother you no more. And you know you're lying. As soon as he fixed that day, you go asking for something else. The word tells us, keep our faith and trust in God. See, the devil is not interested in your goodness. He's not interested in your welfare. He, the devil, demons are under the leadership and control of Satan himself. Lucifer himself. Let's look at what he's really called in Revelation. Let's go back over to Revelation. Let's look at that last chapter. I want to show you something in there that, that he calls that he calls him. Look at chapter uh, uh, 12 and the, the, these Look at chapter 12 of Revelations. I think it was in Revelations last week. Chapter 12 of Revelations we find in verse number 11, I believe it is. 7 through 11. Let's look at verse 7. In Revelations he tells us, And there was war in heaven. Michael the angel fought against the dragon. Who is the dragon? Satan. The devil. And the dragon fought and his angels. Now look at all this stuff he calls him. And prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. Look at the dragon, that old serpent, the snake in, in, in the book of uh, Genesis, called the devil among all men, and Satan, which deceives the world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Yeshua, or his Mishiach, for the accuser, that's the devil, of our brethren is cast down. God said, I'm going to cast him down. Then I'm going to defeat him in the earth when Christ comes on the day of the Lord, which accused them before God day and night. We talked about that last week. Satan go before God. See, Lord, I told you they were going to sin. You're not listening to me, Lord. That's what the devil does all day long. He takes everything you do to God. And God says, I see the blood. All I see is the blood. All I see is the blood. They belong to me. They belong to Christ, Yeshua. All I see is the blood. I don't see nothing they did. I see the blood. 
the blood that covers them, the blood that protects them, the blood that watches over them. All I see is the blood. Satan, get out of my meat. Get out of my kingdom. Bringing accusations against the children of God. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's what it says. God said, I see the blood. I don't know what you're talking about, devil. I don't know. You, you, ever, you ever seen somebody, you know they're guilty, they're guilty or something, and they just stand there and act like they don't know what you're talking about. But see, this is going to be a real thing here. God says, I have no idea what you're talking about, Satan. What are you talking about anyway? All I see is the blood. He says, and the, by the word, they were overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. In other words, they surrendered themselves. They became humble in the presence of God. They knew that they needed Christ as Lord and Savior. And they knew that they need God to watch over and protect and keep them. Yes. Demons are, are two classes. You have the free that run in the earth and in the air. And then you have those who imprisoned and put in the abyss. Luke tells us in the 8th chapter in the 31st verse, the abyss is only the temporary prison for the house of evil spirits which must surrender its dutiful inhabitants to Gehenna or to hell in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. All demons, one third of the angelic host, and Satan himself, the Bible says they're going to be thrown in a lake that burns with fire and brimstones, which is the second death. Matthew tells us in 25, 41, it was created for the devil, demons, and all of the unsaved that depart this world without Christ Yeshua as Lord and Savior. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, woe be unto your soul. Let's look at some of these demons. Who are they? What kind of power do they have? Demons, as I said before, fallen angels. You have Samuel, the angel of death. He's the prince of the air. You hear people pray and they come against the prince of the air? That's the angel of death. We say, Lord, we rebuke the prince of the air. We bind his power and the spirit of death from coming upon us and attacking us as your children. You have Payment, the king of hell, the master of ceremonies and governance. He has over 200 legions of demons under his control. And he tell them, go here, go there, do this, do that. And they take out and go take, carry out the orders that Satan gives to this master demon to carry out in the earth. You have Nikar, water demon known for drowning humans, also causes hurricanes, tempests, and storms, and tornadoes, and the light. You see what happened in Mississippi and Alabama just a couple days ago. That was the work of the devil. God had nothing to do with that. Leonard, the master of black magic and sorcery, you have Leviathan, the dragon of the sea, the crooked serpent of the abyss, the snake himself is Leviathan. His job is to go out and create problems in the abyss, create problems in the water, drown you and take you out. Then you have Lucifer himself, the light bearer, the son of the morning, the former serf uh, seraphim, in charge of worship and music in heaven, better known to many as the day star, kicked out of heaven because he tried to create a coup and throw over the creator. See, whenever you come up against God, you, 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 you're fighting a losing battle. You just might as well give up and say, Lord, I need you. Because you said, you know, God, 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 
they hearing me go out and pray and pray and nothing happens. Well, you got to believe the prayer, first of all. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe. That's all he told you to do. Believe you shall have them, and you will. He said, believe. Keep speaking life to it. Keep giving it life. Keep telling it it's coming forth. Whatever you're going to, I'm coming out of this situation. Because God's word decree and declare that I have what? Prosper and be in health, even as my soul prosper. God's word decree and declare that I am above and not believe. God's word decree and declare that I am a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror through him that died and gave his life for me. While the word of God is what you speak, that is your sword against the devil when he attacks your life. If you apply the word in your situation, I promise you, I declare, I dare you to try to speak the word every time the devil comes up against you. You say, Lord, there's a word for that. Google it, you Google everything else. Find that scripture and keep speaking it. Keep saying it. Keep saying the word. When the devil attacks, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. The word says. See, what did Christ do? The devil knows scripture. But when he came up against Christ, when Christ was, when he was in the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil tempted him, and the devil said it is written, and God said it is written, you know, you are a deceiver. See, Satan took the word and twisted it. But Christ took the word and spoke it with truth. Christ spoke the word, the devil had no charge. He kept trying Christ. He kept saying, if you get up on the pinnacle of the temple and throw yourself down, they'll watch over you. Then Christ said, but the word also says, tempt not the Lord thy God. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you're on the fence to me. See, even Christ spoke the word against Satan. So we have to speak the word too. You want deliverance, you want victory, speak the word. Pray the word. Spend time in worship. We talked about that last week. Spend time in worship. Spend time in praise. Pray the word of God. Read the word of God. So you got to put on the whole armor, everything. All of that belongs to faith, you know, the word, the sword. All of that belongs to you when you put your faith and trust in God. He says, I have given you everything you need to defeat Satan. All you got to do is apply the principles. You have Lucifer. You have Beelzebub, the prince of demons, a.k.a. the Lord of Flies, former high-ranking angels in heaven. I remember I moved into an apartment some time ago. And every year at a certain time, it would just fill up with flies. And I said, Lord, did somebody die in here or something? And I would rebuke it, and they would just go away. Next year, same thing. Next year, same thing. About the third year, I had enough. I moved. I don't know where they come from. Just certain time, right when it started to get hot, they would just come from everywhere. I come in one day and flies would be all over the place. I said, Lord, what in the world? Somebody died in this place or something. And come to find out someone had died in there. And I said, okay, when I found that out, it's time to go. I ain't going to stay here and fight nothing that I don't have no control over. But sometimes you have to get up and move. That's the Lord to open another door for you so you can get away from the enemy. Because that's the work of Satan. That's the work of the devil. And when the devil comes, he comes what? Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. devour. Go a little bit further. Satan is the last one. And Satan comes as the angel to fool Christians. He is the adversary of the believer. He's the adversary to everyone who put their faith and trust in God. He comes as a wormwood for the fallen angel who brings plagues upon the earth. Remember when God sent all those plagues? 
to Egypt because they were because they were uh, yeah, Pharaoh refused to let the children of Israel go. He sent ten plagues. This is the demon that brings those. The wormwood is the demon that brings and releases the plagues. When God turned it loose, when He tells them to go do it, then they send their hand to carry out His orders. See, God is the creator of the universe, but he's still in control of everything. See, people think God lost control because things going haywire. God ain't lost control. He knows exactly what's going on in the earth. He sits high and he looks low and he sees all that's going on. And then the time is right. He'll respond with either his blessings or his wrath. Apollyon, the fallen angel of death. Some call him a Biden or Baden. Then you have Baal. This means the Lord of demons, those who worship idol gods. That's what got Nimrod in trouble. When Nimrod built the Tower of Babel, they started worshiping an idol god. And God got tired of it, and they were trying to build the Tower of Babel, and they were doing worshiping an idol gods at the same time, and God confused their languages so they couldn't speak the same. So they, could, they were going to go up and worship in the stars, and worship in the atmosphere. That's what they were going to do. And God said, Nimrod, I done had enough of you. And he confused the language of all of them. And some spoke one language and some spoke another language and some went over here and some went over there. And the tower never got completed because they were into idol worship. Go a little bit further. Then you have Axel, the fallen angel who fires the fires of hell. These are just a few of the hundreds and thousands of demons that are fallen angels that went out with Satan when God cast him into the earth. What is it that God wants us to learn from this message? First of all, that our faith and trust must be in him. We cannot rely on the world system to have the blessings of God in our lives. We cannot rely on the world system to do what God wants to do in our lives. We have to trust God. We have to rely on him. We have to put our faith and trust in him. We have to look to him in all things. I didn't that long. I think I'm going to cut all that off. What is he saying to the church? What is he telling us? How do we deal with the demons that come up against us? How do we overcome the powers of darkness when they attack? He tells us in 1 Peter 5 and 8 to stand firm on the word of God. When the devil attacks, you know what the word says. Stand on the word. Speak the word. And allow the word to manifest in your life. He tells us in uh, John 1, 1 John 4 and 4. Remember that greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. When the devil brings attack against your life, remember that God inside of you is greater through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are above, not beneath. You are ahead, not behind. You're the head, not the tail. He says, remember, greater is he who is in you. In 1 John 4 and uh, uh, 4. And then he says, rely on scripture. Yes. Ephesians 6.17 says, rely on the word of God. It is the weapons for your warfare. When you're fighting against the enemy and the devil is trying to attack Read God's word. You ever read the word and you went to sleep and you slept like a baby all night long? Why? Because you fed your spirit before you went to sleep. Sometimes the devil will put you to sleep while you're reading the word if you ain't careful. Yes, sir. But when the devil brings us, let me tell you how to deal with that. When the devil brings a spirit of slumber upon you, 
You just say, I rebuke you. Satan, the Lord, rebuke you, spirit of slumber. Leave me now. And I guarantee you, you'll wake up and revive just like that. So you're driving down the road and the devil trying to put you to sleep while you're driving, driving, about to go to sleep. You need to rebuke that spirit of slumber. You ever see me stand up and I say, I rebuke that spirit of slumber in the name of Jesus. You ever heard me say that in the pulpit? And I know some of y'all have because people were sitting out there asleep. And then they wake right up and just sit straight up for the rest of the service. They didn't even know. They didn't even hear it. The devil just turned them loose. And they, and they just woke right up and sat there the rest of the service. So, and sometimes if you don't get enough rest when you come in, that's what happens. You have that. And sometimes the whole, the whole system, the church's whole system will come into church on Sunday. Churches all over the city. I talked to people. I said, brother, was your member going to sleep today? The man they were sleeping all over the congregation. I called some of my pastor friends and said, man, we had the people just drowsy today. They were just sleeping and carrying on. And, and they said the message is born. No, that's the devil. That ain't the message. He don't want you to get it. So he know, he know what's coming from the pulpit. And he know whether he wants you to get it or not. That's why you invite the Holy Spirit to come in every service. Mm-hmm. See, the Holy Spirit comes to every church service. But does he get in or not? No, you have to be invited in. He does not enforce himself upon any of us. We have to invite him to come in. And when we invite him in, he comes in and takes charge of the service. And we have a good time. And sometimes we have a dry service and we go back home. Lord, I don't know what was going on today, but it wasn't. It's all falling apart. God says invite the Holy Spirit. Finally, he says, rebuke Satan. The prophet said, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. If you read Jude, verse number 9, Jude ain't but one book, verse number 9, in that book it said, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And when, why? Because the prophet knew that we're not big enough. Our hands are not big enough to rebuke Satan or by ourselves. We have to ask God. To, we have to do it through our belief and faith in God. I said, Lord, rebuke Satan. And then say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I can't rebuke you, but God can. I can't get you, but God can. I can't make you fly, but God can. I can't make you run, but God can. All God got to do is throw some fire at you. See, even Satan can't escape the fire. That's what it is created for him. I said, Lord, I pray you just set him on fire and get him away from me real quick. See, God wants you to realize that you are somebody. God wants you to realize that even though the devil may come and even though angelic demonic forces may come up against you, you have power over Satan. You have delivering power. You have healing power. You have the power to keep going and growing in the things of God. Keep your faith and trust in him. Believe him and I guarantee you the enemy will leave you alone. May God bless you this morning. May heaven smile upon you. Let us have a word of prayer. Father, we bless you now. We praise you. We glorify you for this day and for this hour. We thank you for this message, Father, for you're the God of our salvation. You're the beginning and ending. You're the first and the last. We pray now for everyone under the sound of my voice and everyone that hears this message. We ask your merciful hand of blessings upon them. We ask, Father, that you just move in their lives. We rebuke every spirit in the name of Christ Yeshua. Lord, you rebuke Satan on our behalf that we may walk in the righteousness and the love of God. We thank you for all you have already done for us. We thank you for revealing the enemy to us and all of the traps and snares that he may be trying to set. And we ask you to rebuke him and bind those powers from him against us. We bless you now for this assembly of your people. We thank you for these that are in worship service. And we pray now 
that you strengthen them and that you continue to watch over them. We pray for every family, every child in this building. We ask you to cover them as they go into the school system. We rebuke the powers of the enemy. We come against the prince of the air that may try to attack our children. We lose your glorious power. Bless our families. Bless our homes. Bless our communities. Let your glory rest upon us and your power and your presence be in our lives. We bless you today. We praise and glorify you. These blessings we ask to create the club by faith. Christ Yeshua's mighty name. And all of God's people say, Amen. God bless you this morning. Chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. From the theme, God still answers prayer. God still answers prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for this opportunity to stand and give a message according to your will through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit who we invite in the midst of us now to lead, guide, help, teach us, lead and direct us, bring back to our heart those things that we've already studied. Use us for your glory, bless and praise you in Yeshua's mighty name. Let everyone say amen. amen. The word of God tells us in this particular chapter that there are prerequisites that must be done in order for the blessings of God to manifest upon his people. There are things that God desires and he asks of the believers and those that have left the faith in order for them to return their things that they would need to do. And one of the things that he tells us in this verse, he says, if my people, and he talks directly to the nation of Israel. He talks to the Hebrews and he says, if my people, which are called by my name. So the reality is, do we first of all know the name of God? Do we know who God is and how he responds when we call his name? Yeshua is Christ, our Messiah. Elohim Yahuwah Elohim in the Hebrew is God, the eternal father. The I am that I am the orator and orchestrator of every living thing who created the entire universe. And I said before, God is outside of the universe and therefore we must allow God to manifest in our lives and then respond to that manifestation. Bible tells that there are us that many people go out to pray, but are you praying in accordance to the will and the purpose of God? He says in this verse, if my people, which are called by my name, first of all, will humble themselves. See, sometimes people decide that whether or not they want to be humble. But God says that one of the prerequisites to me responding to you is for you to be humble. You can't be agitated, aggravated. You can't walk around with pride and all puffed up and looking like you belong to some type of organization that they're the only elite group in the country or in the world. 
But he said we must be humble and come before his, him and his presence with a spirit of humility. That means that we empty ourselves of us and realize we have a need for him. We must come to him in spirit and in truth and seek him to guide and direct us. He says if we will do this because prayer is so important. What is prayer? Prayer is recognizing one's dependence upon the higher order and reality of the creator. See, we talk about prayer all the time, but we have to address this because prayer is essential to the body of Christ. It's essential to the church of the living God. God said we must approach him in humility in order to receive or even get a response from him. He said, humble yourself and pray. Humble yourself and pray. Humble yourself and pray. So prayer must be through a spirit of humility. We just can't go to God. We're mad about something. We're angry. Now God, I thought, I thought. Remember the publican and the, and, 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 and the Pharisee that went up to the temple to pray. And we talked about that before. The Pharisee goes up there. I thank God I'm not like other men, extortioners, adulterers, and all of these other things. I pray twice a week and I give my tithe. Hear me now. I give my tithe. And then here comes the publican into the temple. And he walks in and he bows his head and he says, Oh Lord, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. Who do you think went away with the blessing? It was a publican who realized his need of God. And that's how we are today. We must realize we have a need for God in our lives. We must realize that we cannot make it without God on our side. I rebuke that spirit of slumber. Bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. The word of God tells us and shares with us that everybody goes to God trying to pray. You have the atheist who goes to pray. The primitive and the sophisticated who goes to God to pray. You have those who feel like they are gross spiritually who goes to God to pray. You have the antipromethic and those impersonal people who feel like they're entitled to go to God to pray. God says only those who are in humility, who come in submission, seeking him, will find results when they pray. So if you want real results to your prayer, change your attitude about prayer. Change your attitude about the way you approach the throne of God whenever you go to pray. So you can go to God in all types of situations. You can be hurting. You can be in pain. There are many ways to go to God, but no matter how you go to him, always go to him with a spirit of humility. And Father, thank you that things are as well as they are. Thank you that things are as good as they are. I prayed with Brother Andrews this morning, and that was one of the things he said. I thank God things are as well as they are. And, And he had a spirit of humility, and he was open and receptive to prayer. And that's what we must do. We must be open and receptive to prayer because it is the will of God. He said, pray one for another in that fifth chapter of the book of James, verse 16. He said, confess your faults and pray for one another. Sometimes we want to pray, but we don't want to realize we need to get our hearts clean. So, Father, take the hyssop and wash me pure. Cleanse me that I may be used for your purpose. That I may be used for what you've called and created me to be used for. 
Word of God tells us and says with us, it is imperative that we pray. Prayer must be unto God. It must be earnestly out of a sincere heart. When we pray, we must be saying, Lord, I am dependent upon you. Hear my call. Answer my prayer, for I need to hear from heaven. I need to hear from you. I'm sick. I need to hear from you. I'm in trouble. I need to hear from you. Something is going on. Something is happening. There's a tragedy. There's an emergency. There's a sick person in my family. My friends are sick. I need to hear from you. And you go to God in humility and you say, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. It's me calling out to you because I don't know which way to turn. Don't go to your best friend and tell him all your problems. Don't go to your, uh, the society club and tell them all your problems. Don't go to your family and tell them all your problems. Just go to God. See, he ain't going to tell nobody else. It's going to be between you and him. And you ain't got to worry about hearing it no more. Young lady came to me and she said, Pastor, I, I want to get married. But, but I want to keep it in secret. I want to keep it in solitude, and I will tell everybody I want to know when the time is right. Yes. And she said, can I depend on you to keep it in solitude? And I said, yes, I can keep it in solitude. When do you want to do it? We set up the time and the date, and it already took place, and nobody even knew that it was happening. But the people she invited in for her wedding that's how it is with God. God will keep your desires, your needs, your prayer requests, the things of your heart in secret. You don't have to tell nobody. He said confession is good for the soul, but you don't have to tell nobody everything that's going on in your life. You, you keep some things to yourself, some things you ought not to say. Y'all done seen Cat Williams whenever he said, I don't think I would have told nobody that. See, some things we need to keep to ourselves. We need to keep in solitude because when we do, we protect ourselves. And only the Holy Spirit knows what's on our heart. Because it is he who makes intercession on behalf of each and every one of us in the 8th chapter of Romans, the Bible tells us. The word of God tells us, seek him, God first. Call upon him. When we pray, we seek, we search, we go after, we hunt, we find, we appeal to, we anger, and we call upon God to answer us. David said in Psalms 17 and verse 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness, and I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Why? Because I put my faith and trust in you. When I wake up in the morning, I seek God first. When I wake up in the morning, I call out to him and say, Lord, I thank you for another day. I thank you for another opportunity. I thank you for another chance. I thank you for life, health, and strength. I heard somebody say one time, it's always good to be seen. Always good to be heard than to be viewed. Word of God tells us it's imperative. Look at the rest of this verse. Pray and seek my face. God said, seek him. See, and, and if you look at Matthew, that, that uh, sixth chapter, he said, seek ye first, in that 33rd verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Yes. The writer tells us here, he says, seek his faith and turn from their wicked ways. Oh, yes. See, there's a lot of wickedness going on in the world. Yes. Someone said earlier today uh, that over 
80% of people in this country have turned their back on the church. 80% of the people in this nation have stopped going to God's house. They go to the lounge, the club. They go to work every day. They do everything they want to do. But for some reason or another, they had an issue with the church. They had an issue with God. They had an issue with spending time in the presence of the most holy. But the best thing that God has to offer anybody is the church. Well, you say, well, preacher, I don't go to church because them people hypocritical. Well, you work with hypocrites. Preacher, I'm not going to church because they lie all the time. Well, you work with liars. Preacher, I ain't going to church because they always raising all that cane. Well, you go to the ball games and they raise cane. So what is the, what's your excuse? Why don't you have time for God? See, God says, give me time. Spend time in fellowship. Spend time in worship. He said, don't forsake the ascending of yourselves together for the matter of some is. If you seek, I understand you have a reason. Yes. And you know, and most of them will say, send me a copy of the message or help me in to help me out so I can hear what God's talking about. But then there are those who got up this morning and had everything on their mind. They're going to clean that car, that vehicle, the chariot, and have it shining like new money before the day is over with. They're going to clean every speck in that house. There won't be no dust on nothing. But you realize, whether they realize it or not, God is going to get every single day. If you have to put them on their back, he's going to get every day. So you ain't have time for me when? And as soon as you start going to, oh, Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, help me. Call on everybody but the Lord. While you're doing your dirt. Soon as you get caught up, you need the Lord. Well, where were you when the Lord told you to do what he asked you to do? You didn't have time for God then. So God just sat there and said, you'll be all right. Just go through. You let it, just let things happen naturally. Let, let the process play out. God ain't going to step in and help you. Because when he was trying to get your attention, guess what? You wouldn't listen. You wouldn't do nothing. God said, I told you to pray. I told you to meditate. I told you to help so-and-so. I don't have time for that. I'm busy. But God said the day is going to come when you're going to have time because you're going to have nothing else to do but lay down with plenty of time to think about all the things that God has asked you to do. Now, he said, serve the Lord in your youth while you're young. It's good to see young people in church. God said, serve him while you're young. I've been in church since I was nine years old. I've been in ministry 33, 34 years in June I've been in ministry. I've pastored over 23 years, counting this year. Pastored 21 years in one church, and I've been here three years. I skipped it. 24 years. See, God will bless you while you're young to do what he wants you to do, and then he will grace you when you get older and pour his blessings into your life because you served him in your youth. Because you made time for him. You didn't let the world fool you. Yeah, you want to go out and have a good time. And I'm not saying don't go out and enjoy yourself. But don't be crazy. Don't get yourself in situations of things that are too strong and more than you can handle. God said, seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then will I 
hear from heaven. God said, I'm not even with God. Don't hear no sinner's prayer till he's sincere and he's ready to change his heart. And he come before God and said, Lord, I repent. I seek your faith. That's when God hears him. When he's sincere in that prayer, God will hear him. But until then, God don't hear him because he knows he's just mouthing. Sometimes you ever hear people just mouthing. They don't really mean what they say. They're just saying something to make you satisfied. Sometimes you can tell a person to lie and they'll believe a lie before they believe the truth. Why is it, Lord, you can lie to people and they believe it? Tell them the truth and they call you a liar. Whoa, the devil got it all messed up. But see, the church is designed to help people overcome all of the things that's ungodly and unholy in their lives. The church is the way that God wants to move the body of Christ. If you don't have a place in God's house, you ain't going to have a place in the kingdom. God said, well, because Christ said, if you forsake me down here, I'm going to forsake you. If you deny me down here, I'm going to deny you before my father in heaven. Amen. You get to heaven and you're getting ready to go in and Peter's standing at the gate. And you say, you got to wait. Jesus coming out to talk to you. Amen. He coming to hey, he's going to have a word with you and then we're going to let you go. But you ain't coming in here. You imagine getting to heaven and you can't get in. Streets of gold. The power and the presence of the Lord is everywhere. Don't bother him. He'll move on. Just don't let him bite you. But the Bible tells us. Now y'all know how I felt playing the organ the other day when he was on the organ. (laughs) The Bible tells us. Keep God first through prayer. Seek God in all things. No matter what you're doing, what what your experiences are, let God be first. God can be true. God will bless you. God will help you. God will enrich you. He will help you to overcome whatever you're going through. But you've got to put him first. When he's first, all the devils in hell can't do you no harm. He tells us to keep faith in him. And he will protect us. He will watch over us. If my people who call by my name will seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin. She said, I'm going to hear you. First of all, I'm going to clean you up because I'm going to forgive your sin. See, when you make a mistake, go to God and say, Father, I made a mistake. God knows you ain't perfect. He knows what you're going to do before you did it. You can't hide from God. Well, I made a mistake. I'm not going to church today because I made a little mistake. I made an error. No, that ain't no reason not to go to God's house. You need to go to church. If things ain't good, you definitely need to be in the house of God. Say, Lord, I need to come in. I need prayer. I need a word of encouragement. I need to be uplifted. I need to be inspired. I need to realize that I am somebody. The devil will beat you down so bad, you'll wonder who you are. You'll be running to the church on Sunday morning. I've got to get to the God's house so I can get some power to carry me through another week. Because the devil don't care who he beat down. That's his job. That's what he want to do. He wants you to, to, to say, oh my goodness. I thought the Lord was on my side. That's what he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe God ain't with you. But remember, the Holy Spirit has never left you. When you confess Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came then. And he will never, ever forsake you. God said that before one jot or tittle in my words should fail, heaven and earth will pass away. And he said, I will never leave nor forsake you. 
People left God. When they come back, guess what? God's going to be right where they left him. He didn't leave you. You left him. He didn't stop. You stopped. See? And when you're going through and the devil beating you down and tearing your tail up, you go, oh, Lord. Lord, sitting up in heaven laughing at you. Don't call on me now. When I needed you to do what I asked you to do, you were too busy. You didn't have time, so just go through. He says, we must realize that we have a need of God. We must realize that we must call God by his holiness and by his name, Elohim, Yahuwah, Tetragrammaton, Anonai, Yeshua, Ruach HaKadosh. Those are the powerful names of God. Names that most of us in the Baptist church have never heard, have no idea even what they mean. But they are the powerful names of God that covers you and protects you and keep the enemy from coming up against you. When you say tetragrammaton, the devil knows, get his hands off of you. And on I, the devil knows, Christ is the Messiah and that you called his name. Call Yeshua HaMashiach, the Savior of the world, the one who died on the cross for our sins. He tells us, call his name. God has 72 names. 72. And we're only familiar with one. Jesus. That ain't even his real name. (laughs) His real name is Yeshua HaMashiach. Or some people say Yehushua. That's his real name if you want to know what his name is in Hebrew. We call him Jesus because it was translate, translated into Greek and then into English. But see, the preacher won't tell you that because he's afraid that y'all may quit giving. Amen. Y'all may quit coming to church. That preacher over there preaching, he's a preacher that cultic stuff over there. <laughs> How foolish. To forsake who you are and take on a God that may not even be who we think he is. See, if you go back and read the Apocrypha, you'll, it'll blow your mind. Study the Apocrypha. That's the 14 books that the, the, the Catholics took out of this one. There's 14 of them. They took them out of here. Go read them. You'll find identity. You'll find who. That's why people waking up. Because they got questions that are not being asked. That's why young people won't come to church. They got unanswered questions about this thing. I want to know the facts. I want to know the truth. And then they sat there and said, no, I don't believe that because I've read differently. I've studied it. The worst thing ever happened to America was the Internet. Because all of the little dirt and secrets got let out. You can Google it and find it now. You used to can hide it from you, but they can't hide it no more. Google done messed up some people. You go on there and search anything and you can find it. If you can't find it one place, just change the way you wrote it. I guarantee you it'll pop up. Wait a minute, I didn't know all this happened. I didn't know all this was going on. The dirt coming out from under the carpet. So you ever seen, you ever, you ever uh, vacuumed the carpet and the dust just kept flying? The more you vacuum, the more this, the dirt just kept coming out of the carpet. The more you vacuum, it didn't come clean till you shampooed it. That's how some people's dirt is in their life. They need God to take the hiss out and shampoo the dirt and the sin out of their life. So they can be a better people. 
realize that they need God. God don't need you. He created you. What makes you think he needs you? You think heaven's going to stop because you, because you ain't doing what God told you to do? Nah, he's going to find 70 more that'll do exactly what he said. When Daniel went running to God and then told God they was out to kill him, I mean, Jeremiah, when you went running to God, told him they was out to kill him and take him out, God said, I got 70 more that have not bowed a knee to Baal. He said, I got people that will worship and praise and honor me. Just because you choose not to do it, don't mean it's going to stop. People think because the church is falling, there's a falling away. God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't care how it did look. I don't care how the devil tried to make it seem like it's just all over for the church. God said, Christ himself says, I'm going to build the church. Let me get out of that. That's my message for this afternoon. He said, I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, you see, you used to have to pick up the gate and carry the gate off. The, 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 the person in authority could take off the gate. When you take off the gate, you have all of the authority and all of the power. God says the gates will not come up against the church. They have no power to come up against the church. Let's go a little bit further and wrap this up. He tells us and shares with us that we must turn from our wicked ways, clean up our lives, stop being evil, stop being immoral, stop destroying and hurting and, and killing and hating, hating on the lives of other people. He says, turn from sin. That's what it means to repent. To turn and go another direction. To turn and go the opposite. When sin is creeping up in our lives, we have to ask God to wash us and cleanse us and, and turn us so that we will go back to the things of God. Solomon was one of those kind that he stayed in trouble with God, even though he was the wisest man on the planet. Seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Now, what man in the world need that many women? God didn't tell him to do that. He did it, but God didn't tell him to do that. In the end, he died sorrowful because he started living for Solomon and stopped living for God. After God, he was the richest man that ever lived on the planet. No one before him or after him has ever been richer than Solomon. Mm -hmm. But even wealth will fool you into doing things that's ungodly. And, and, and out of God's character and out of the will of God. But Solomon got in trouble with God, but God did not forsake him. He still blessed him. The Bible tells us that David tells us in Psalms 34 and 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Whoever seeks God calls upon him. Whoever seeks God looks to him. Whoever seeks God believes in him. Whoever seeks God trusts in him that he will answer your prayer. He will deliver you from whatever the enemy is trying to put in your path. He said, the Bible tells us in James 5 and 16, the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Keep praying. Care what it looked like, keep praying. Don't care what's going on, keep praying. No matter care what's happening, keep praying. God says, don't ever stop praying and seeking his face. Because when you pray and seek him, he will answer you. When does God answer prayer? He answers it when you pray. God answers your prayer when you pray. It takes a while to get to you sometimes. 
It takes a while for it to manifest sometimes, but he will answer you when you pray. After a while, you'll start feeling the change. After a while, things will start getting better and better and better. And that's my prayer for everybody in this church. Whatever you're going through, that God will have mercy and give you liberty. Give you miracles. Have you overcome whatever adversity you're dealing with, whatever problem you have going on, God will supply your need. He will do it for you. He will help you to overcome. All you've got to do is continue to seek his faith. Keep your trust and faith in him. No matter what the devil say, say, God got it. No matter what the devil try to do to you, God's got it. See, Christ, knowing he was going to the cross, knowing he was going to die, knowing he was going to have to do things with relating to you and I for our salvation, goes in the Garden of Gethsemane, gets in there, and he prays to the Father. And he said, Lord, if this cup can pass me by, thy will be done. And God said, no. Why did God say no? Because in the cup was something for every one of us. Stripes for your healing was in the cup. A crown of thorns for your righteousness was in the cup. A smile for your victories was in that cup. Nails and spikes for your liberty and freedom was in that cup. Water for your baptism was in the cup. Deliverance from all of the enemy's traps was in the cup. The blood that washes away your sins was in the cup. Christ had to take the cup and drink the cup. But the most important thing was he overcame the cup. He was buried in the ground and stayed there for three long days. Rose on the third day with all power in his hand. Thank God he decided to drink from the cup for every one of us. Because if he hadn't done it, where would we be right now? Thank God for the cup. See, we look at that thing lightly, but there was so much in there for you and I. Our deliverance, our victory, everything we needed was in the cup. Are you willing to drink from the cup that will transform and change you by receiving Christ as Lord and Savior? He's already done it for us. All we got to do is receive him now. If we're receiving and accept him as Lord of our lives, he will Answer whatever we desire. Sometimes it may seem like a long time coming, but trust him. Just be patient. Give it to him in prayer and leave it alone. And he will answer you. He will deliver you. He will set you free. All you got to do is keep your faith in the Lord. All you got to do is just continue to trust him. Continue to hope. Continue to believe. Continue to stand fast. Stand firm. Don't move. Stay right there. Because when you stay there, you're going to find out that you walk in liberty. You walk in victory. When you pray and ask God to cover you and your family during the day, God got you. He's watching over you. All you got to do is ask him. Lord, cover my children and protect them in the school system today. Lord, protect me as I travel back and forth. The devil will try to take you out. So you got to keep your faith and trust in God. See, the devil don't want you. He just want to stop the word from coming out of your mouth. 
If he can hush you up, if he can make you so mad on the job, you won't say nothing about God. He has done what he intended to do. So somebody come to you with a problem, baby, you need to go and talk to the Lord. Let's pray about it. Don't be afraid to pray. The owner of the company was in the building one day. Somebody asked me to pray for them. I prayed for him right in front of him. He's a Christian himself. He joined us in prayer. (laughs) But we have to keep our faith and trust in God. He said, seek him. Pray. Turn from wickedness. I'll hear you. I'll answer you. I'll deliver you. And then finally he says, I will heal your land. Whatever's going on in the land. Y'all want to know why killing is going on? Why murder so high? Why gun violence is so high? Why is so much violence going on? Why so much domestic stuff going on? Because of sin. When God deals with the sin in man's heart, there will be a universal transformation in this nation and nations around the world. But until God deals with sin... It's going to keep raising it. That's why I say it and run it to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He'll start something in America. Then he'll go to another country and start something. Then he'll go somewhere else and start something. He want to keep confusing and keep yeah. the people of God look acting like and seeming to be like they're crazy. But don't ever forsake God. Don't ever forsake the church. Don't ever stop believing and always keep your faith and trust in God. He will see you through and give you victory. God bless you this morning and may heaven smile upon you. Let us pray. Father, we praise you this morning. We thank you for this message. We pray now that you just minister to every soul under the sound of my voice. We pray, Father, for that one that may not know you in the free part of their sins. We ask you to minister to them, heal, deliver, set them free. We bless you. We praise you, Lord God. We just thank you for this message. Now let it accomplish that for which thou hast sent it. To touch, minister to the heart of every soul. But hear the word of God. We bless you and praise you. Let them repent of their sins and call upon Christ as you, our Lord and Savior, to save them and to transform them, that they too may have a right unto the tree of life. These blessings we ask to create and declare by faith that all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. From the theme, He has risen. He has risen. And we want to look at the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew. Let's talk. Just a few minutes on the fact that Christ indeed has risen from the grave. Dr. Greenleaf and also Professor Dane from the School of Harvard University did research and study and did all that they needed to do where the information led from doctrines and piper and scrolls and everything that was available to come to a conclusion that Christ, our Savior, did raise, arise from the grave and that he is indeed the son of the living God. Other schools have also had archaeologists to go forth and do studies to find out if this thing is true, that the Savior rose from the dead. And every time studies are done, they are concluded that indeed he has risen and that he did live. He did die on the third day and rose 
on Sunday morning, which was the first day of the week. So the word of God tells us about that today. So let's take a look into the word and see what the word of God has to say for us. In the 28th chapter, verse number one, and I'll just take these verses individually. As, uh, and long after the Sabbath, as it grew light following the Sabbath, came Mary of Magdala and Mary and beheld the sepulchre or the grave. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And the angel of the Lord, or Yahuwah, descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon the stone. So we find the earthquake is something that God always used when there was a magnificent event about to happen. He always gave the earthquake. And the reason for the earthquake was to get your attention. You can imagine these women were about 15 miles from the grave. And, and they walked on their journey. But the earthquake wasn't just to get their attention. But there were these gods that was there when the earth shook. It rattled and disturbed them at the grave. The word of God tells us in verse number three. His countenance was light. Like lightning and his raiment white as snow. So there were angels and it's believed that there were many angels that were hovering around the grave. Now the angel didn't roll the stone back because Christ was in the grave. The angel rolled the stone back so that the women could get inside of the grave and see that he wasn't there. Because during that time what they used was hollow holes. They would dig out a hole above the ground and they would bury you in that in this particular grave had three places that you could bury or just lay a body. And they would lay Christ, he would put him in there in the center of that, and then they rolled a stone over it. And we know that there were about a dozen women that went to the grave early that Sunday morning. And when they got there, they were concerned about who's going to roll the stone away for us. But as they arrived, they saw an angel sitting on the stone. Setting up above the grave, looking down at them. And the Bible says he was pure and his garment was white as snow. That's enough to get your attention. You wonder what this, this being over the grave was there for. And he was there to announce that the Savior indeed had risen from the grave. Verse 5 says, and the angel answered and said unto them. Well, let's read verse, verse 4. And for fear, the gods did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, fear ye not. For I know that ye seek Christ Yeshua, which was crucified. He's not here, but he is risen as he said, come see the place where Anonai, or the Lord Yeshua, lay. Now, these women didn't go to the grave to see whether Christ was alive or not. They didn't even know he was alive. They went to the grave and they carried spices, perfume, frankincense, and myrrh, which the Bible tells us in the beginning of his life, those things were for his burial. And here they come with all these spices to do the final 
preparation for his final burial and then to put the stone back and leave it. But at their surprise, when they got there, the Savior was already alive, well, and gone. And thank God he rose from the dead for each and every one of us. Because if he hadn't risen from the grave, there would be no opportunity for our salvation. There would be no opportunity for us to live in the things of God. Just imagine what the world would be like if Christ hadn't come to the universe. What it would be like now. We see how bad things are on the, in the world now. Just imagine if Christ hadn't changed and said, Father, I'll go down there in human flesh and die for them. That they may have a relationship and be reconciled back unto you. Amen. Verse number seven tells us, and go quickly. He told these women, go quickly. Tell my disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he go before you into Galilee. There ye shall meet him. See, Christ himself had risen from the dead. And he said unto these women, the angel said, look, he's not here. Go tell the disciples. Go and tell Peter. Go and tell John. Let them know, sons of Zebedee, let them know that the Savior has risen from the grave and he's not in the grave anymore, but he's going to Galilee. So get there on that mountaintop so you'll be ready to meet him when he gets there. The Bible tells us in Jesus, as they went, I'm getting ahead of myself here, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring the disciples' word. So the women immediately left. You're talking about the first witness of Christ as Lord and Savior. You're talking about the first person that gave the story that Christ was Lord and that he's risen from the... The first witnesses were women. The first ministry of witnesses were the women. They got the message and ran with it. If you go back and read these other accounts, you're going to see that the, the men was a little timid. They were a little frightened. They were a little afraid. They were a little doubtful. Even Thomas doubted if you look at some of the other writings. Thomas said, I don't believe it unless I put my hands in the prince and my, my, my hands touch into his side and see the wounds. I ain't going to believe it. We got people like that today. They don't believe that Christ died. They don't believe that he's coming back. They don't believe anything. You can't tell them nothing. Why y'all going down that, that church every Sunday? Why y'all going down there to that church? Jumping out night and crazy and carrying on every Sunday. There's a reason why we're coming down to this church every Sunday. Because one of these old days, the second coming is going to take place. And my prayer is that when it takes place, that you are ready to receive and ready to go back to be with Christ. Because he will come back again a second time. But are you ready? Or will you be busy? Doing your own thing, out partying and doing all the things that you would do in that situation. The Bible tells us and shares with us that Christ is indeed coming back again. Will you be ready for him? Or will you still be making excuses? We got every excuse for not to go into God's house. Every excuse for not to do the thing that God requires and asks us to do. We have every excuse, but God said, come together. Do not forsake the ascending of yourselves. Receive Christ as Lord and Savior. He paid the price for your sin. Are you going to live for him or are you going to live for the devil? The choice because whenever you die, it ain't over. 
This is just rehearsal. This is just practice. But when you die, you're going to live again. See, when Christ got up, the Bible said he got up in the flesh in a glorified body of his own. We're going to get up if we are not alive when he returns. We're going to get up out of the grave. See, people think the spirit is going to burn up in torment. It ain't going to be the spirit. It's going to be the flesh. You're going to have that glorified flesh that ain't going to never, ever quit burning. See, the spirit can't feel it, but the flesh feels The flesh can feel the fires of the flames. Before you stick your hand on the stove, if you don't think you can feel it. I promise you will shout. What did, what did, what did, uh, what did uh, Richard Pryor say? People will get out the way when they see you on fire. He was alive. Basing cocaine. Messed around and sparked a fire and set itself on fire. And running down the road, he said, people will get out the way when they're on fire. Now just imagine the fire and the flames and everybody down there burning. Ain't nobody got to get out your way. It's now is the time to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Now is the time to realize that you have a soul and it has to be redeemed. And the good news is that it don't cost you a thing. You can do it for free. There's, there's no price. Christ said, I'm going to come down here to the earth and I'm going to do it for free. All you've got to do is to see that anything for free, you know the old saying, it's for me. But when it comes to Christ, that is not the case. People make all excuses. You know why people make excuses for coming to God's house and, and, and trying to do the things that please Christ? You know why they make excuses? Because of sin. Sin will not allow you to come and sit in the presence of the Lord. Sin will not allow you to sit under the word of God because, because of sin, you can't do it. But if you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you can because the blood covers the sin. Man don't stop sinning because he gets saved. Salvation is secure, secures him and the blood covers him so when he gets to eternity, when he makes a mistake, what did God say? And Christ said, all I see is the blood. All you got to do is get up from there, clean yourself up, and keep moving forward in the things of God. Look a little bit at these verses here. Verse number eight said, and number nine says, and as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Yeshua, Christ himself met them, saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Christ, Yeshua, unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren, I'm going into Galilee, and there shall you see me. He told them, he said, go tell the disciples, get up there. Go up there to the mountaintop. Go to Galilee. I'm going to come and talk to you. Remember Christ, he lived 50 days after he was rose from the dead. He rose, he lived 50 days. On the day of Pentecost. That's when he ascended. To go back into glory and be to live with the Father in heaven. Amen. Let's go a little bit further. Number 11 says, And when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. Those, those guards that was at the tomb, those guards that were supposed to be watching over it, those guards that the Sanhedrin and Harold and all of them had placed there and said, Whatever you do, don't let him escape. Don't let him get out. He got out. When the earthquake took place, Christ was already gone. They lay in there like dead people scared them so bad. You ever had a scare like that? It almost cost you to have a whole time. Can you imagine? 
You stand in that garden thing and here come a big old earthquake, rolls the stone away, and you're so afraid you just fall down like you're dead and scare you so bad. Because if, if that's going on in his day, can you imagine what's going to happen in our day when the, when the valley takes, and Jehoshaphat, when the valley of Armageddon takes place? And I heard an idiot on the radio the other day say that that's not true. That's not what's going to happen. I said, the Bible says every word was given for inspiration, for doctrine, for reproval, for exaltation. You need to go read Timothy because Timothy showed, said it. Paul told Timothy those words. He said the word will live when everything else is gone. Before the word fell, heaven and earth was passed away. We don't have this book because it's to prove that God exists. God exists whether we have this book or not. It's just to encourage and inspire and uplift us to keep our faith and trust in him. That's what the book for. If in this book, some people tell you, I'm going to read it from cover to cover. No, no, no. That ain't why he gave it to us. He knew you're going to have oppression. There's something in the book for your oppression. He knows you're going to have sickness and disease. There's something in the book for your sickness and your disease. He knows that you're going to be oppressed. He knows that you're going to be depressed. He knows that you're going to have them anxiety attacks. He knows that that headache is going to come on unexpectedly. He knows that cancer is going to attack your body. There's something in the book to deliver you, to heal you, to set you free, to liberate you. Read the book. Now when they were going to behold, some of the watch came into the city to show the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they had assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave them money to the soldiers, saying, if the disciples, say his, uh, he told them, say, say that his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. Now, uh, have you sold out for a lie? Come on, they were so they sold out for a lie. Yes. Judas sold out for thirty pieces of silver. Yes. Yes. Now the soldiers are selling out to tell a lie every time somebody asks, and the story is told that this is told even to this day. Uh-huh. The, the disciples came and stole him away in the night while they slept. They didn't sleep. The earthquake scared the living daylights out of them and they fell down as dead men. But the Sanhedrin council, the church, the synagogue of that day were the ones that crucified him. They're the ones that put him in the tomb. They're the ones that told those soldiers to lie about it. What are we lying about today? Lying about the fact that I don't believe there's a God, there's no reason for me to go to church. Lying about the fact that if there is a God, He's not going to do anything to me. I'm okay because I can always accept him when about time. When you about dead, I'll just say, Lord, receive me as, as your Savior. No, that ain't going to work. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is present upon your heart now to receive Christ. And you rejecting and rejecting. You know what happens after you reject something so long? Yep. It just what? Go away. Amen. All of us have been there. When people reject you and reject you and reject you and reject you eventually you just go away and soon as you go away here come that knocker 
I want to talk to you now. I can change my mind. No, it's too late. Will the record in heaven say too late when you get there? Will Christ receive you or will you be rejected? But these men were told to tell a lie. The lie. You know, the truth will stand over every lie. When you tell a lie, guess what? You got to tell another one to cover that one and another one to cover that one and another one to cover that one and another one to cover that one. When you tell a lie, you got to keep lying. Nothing, and don't ever forget this, nothing beats a lie but the truth. When you tell the truth, you ain't got to lie no more. And it's amazing, some people will receive a lie over the truth. You can walk up to them and tell them a lie and they'll believe you and tell them the truth and they'll say, oh, oh that ain't right. That's not what happened. Well, I'm trying to tell you the truth, but believe that if you want to. Christ said, I'm risen. I'm alive and well. Go to Galilee, you're going to see me then. He told him, go into the upper room and wait till the what? Holy Spirit come and endow you with power. Let's wrap this up. Verse number 15, they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jew- Jews unto this day. Then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee into the mountain where Yeshua had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some still doubted. Remember Thomas? Oh, yeah. I ain't gonna believe it till I see it for myself. Some people like that today. You can tell them something. I ain't going to believe it. I don't care what you say. It ain't true. I'm not going to believe it. You're going to be sitting in the fire in the house burning up and they're sitting in the house. I'm just going to go around me. I'm not going to burn up. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> sit there. Just continue to sit there. Sit there. Something's going to happen to you after a while. You're going to feel the flame. Some people headed to hell and one day they're going to feel the flame. When they're going to realize the fires have, remember the rich man? He had all that wealth. He had plenty of money. He had mansions. He had storehouses where he could put all of his food. And, and, and the time came for him to give and to share that, and he refused to do. He said, oh, I'm not giving anybody anything. I'm going to tear these barns down and build them bigger. So I have more room to store all the stuff I got. He did all of that sat down and thought he was going to enjoy himself and died that night. God said, thou fool, whose will these things be now? We have to respond when the opportunity is given unto us because tomorrow is not a promise. No man knows the day nor the hour that the Son of Man is going to return. Nobody knows that. Not one of us. It used to be here today, gone tomorrow, and now it's here today and gone in 15 or 20 minutes. See, when God is done with you, he's going to take you out no matter where you're at or what you're doing. If, you, if you're wasting time, living any kind of life, doing anything you want to do, and having a good time, your time is running out. Young men dying now, whenever we were coming along, you never heard of young men dying the way they're dying. You never heard of young men running around with guns and, and in gangs. We never heard of that stuff when we were coming along. 
taking guns into the schoolhouse. We never heard of that kind of foolishness when we were coming along. If there was a fight, we get you get on the bus and they say, well, I'm going to get you when you get off the bus. And the fight took place after the bus rolled away. Nobody didn't know what happened but the people out there on the field after the bus rolled away. It was a good fist fight. Somebody got the tail whipped and then you went home and lived about and talked about it another day. Nowadays, they're walking around with Uzi, walking around with, 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 with these uh, 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 nine millimeters, walking around with all of these military weapons, walking into a place and taking out everybody, coming even in the house of God, taking out the people of God. The Bible says, keep yourself covered in prayer. I pray for this congregation every single day. God will cover you, protect you, watch over you and your children. Some people, when their parents die, they just go crazy and go wild. You know why? The covering has been lifted. Mama's prayers ain't there to keep you safe no more. Daddy's prayers ain't there to watch over you no more. You go wild and the next day you end up somewhere dead. Because you're, you're under the covering of somebody's prayer. But you've got to stand up on your own two feet and be your own man. See when, see, when my father was living, I was under his rule. And I wasn't my man. I wasn't my own man. But when your father passed away, if he's still here, you're going to realize then you're going to have to be your own man. When you've got to be your own man, you've got to stand on your own two feet. Make your own decisions. You can't call Papa and ask him what to do then. Let's wrap this up. I'm going to get there. And Yeshua came and spoke unto them and said these words. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Now how do you think, Oprah, you're going to get to God without going through Christ? How do you believe that there are many ways to God when the Bible says that all power is given unto me? And then he gave a declaration unto the disciples. He gave them what we call the great command. And he said these words. Go, in that verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That is a command. He told the disciples it wasn't but 12 of them, but the gospel is worldwide. Do you know there are 16,000 ethnic groups all over the world? And the gospel has to reach every one of those ethnic groups. Missionaries are wasting time spending and sending the church money into places where the gospel don't even need to be there. It's already there. The case that go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach the gospel to every creature. We need to be finding the places where the gospel needs to reach, where people hadn't heard the word of God, and send the money there. So missions can go forward. That's why Christ ain't came back yet. Everybody ain't received the message, but eventually they will. And when they receive the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, or Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord, to the glory of God, Christ is going to crack the sky and come back. Angelic host with him to gather off his own. The dead is gonna get up out the grave. But Bishop, we didn't bury him. 
We burned them up. That's all right. They're going to still come back. All that sand. Gonna come back together in a glorified body. And they're gonna live again. Because the spirit will never die. When you leave this planet, some people think it's overdone with. You will not die. Man is a spirit. He has a soul that makes up his will, his emotions, his character. He lives in a body. That's the house that God put you in. That's why it always breaks down. That's why the devil always attacking it. Because it's just a house. It's not the permanent place. One of these days, if you read the 15th chapter of, of, of 1 Corinthians, it says, you will become immortality. You will become immortal. You will have a glorified body. And when that glorified body is put on, that means you're going to be with Christ forever. But if you mess around and play with this thing and don't change your life and don't receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And let me be clear. You have said under the gospel today. So if you don't receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you are without excuse. You're going to say, Lord, I don't remember that. Well, let me call your attention to it, my brother. You went down to St. John's. Baptist church Bishop Spates was standing in the pulpit and he gave you a sermon called He Has Risen and you sat there under that sermon and now you are responsible and you are guilty of rejecting the Savior so he know when Christ opened the book he's going to look for your name or is your name in the book will it be in the book are you satisfied and you ain't got nothing? If you left here today, are you satisfied that it's well with my soul? You ain't got to be perfect. You just got to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You ain't got to be the best thing. You just got to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You ain't got to do everything right. You just got to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. He just said, just accept me. He said, if you deny me before men, I'm going to what? Deny you before my father. Look at what he tells him. Let's look at the rest of this. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the command. See, baptism covers you. You immerse when you go in the water. You go down with the old nature. You come up in a new nature with a new life, with a new spirit. He said the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in Ephesians. He tells us to put on the new. Will you wear the new? Or are you going to keep on wearing the old raggedy garments you got on right now? Well, you're a preacher. I buy new clothes every week. I don't care whether you buy them new or not. They're still ragged because you're without Christ. Yeah. Them joys going to eventually go to somebody else. Yeah. The cabin climb going to somebody else. Louis Vuitton going to somebody else. All that stuff you've been storing up for yourself. Somebody go enjoy it. You have to receive Christ as Lord and Savior and let him give you all that stuff. That way you ain't got to worry about nobody getting it or taking it from you. But when you leave this earth, you're just a steward over it right now. But somebody go enjoy it or fight over it whenever you're gone. You can take that to the bank and get a check for it. He tells us there in that last verse. Teach them. To observe, God, do. It's one thing to know. See, there's two words for know in the Greek. There's the word oidai and there's the word gnosko. 
Or die means I have experienced this thing. I know for myself because I've been through it. See? But, but gnosko means that somebody told me. Would you rather have the experience or would you rather go through whenever you're having problems? Sometimes people get in trouble and they got to go through. But then sometimes somebody can tell you something and you can learn from what they have experienced that they told you to keep you from going through what they have been through. But still we have knuckleheads that still got to go through. Go out there and stab somebody and make five years. Go out there and kill somebody and spend the rest of your life in jail behind a, a little bit of drugs or somebody mess with your woman, you know, something stupid. Let me give you the, let me give you the results of that. When you go to jail for domestic violence and you kill somebody, one individual move on with their life. Mm-hmm. The other individual is in the grave and you in jail. Is it worth it to sell your soul to the devil because you mad at somebody? Or because somebody ain't do you right? Just let it go. Let God handle that. That's not your place to handle that. You can't get along with somebody, let them go on about their business. He said, continue to teach. See, whenever you receive Christ, you have to continue to receive the word of God because it's the word of God that feeds the soul. You got up this morning, ate your breakfast, didn't you? Did you read your Bible? Your your soul was starving. You didn't give it nothing to eat this morning. You fed the flesh all that bacon. Now the devil working on them joints. Old man Arthur about to tear you up. But you didn't feed the soul nothing. You didn't read not one single verse and meditate and think about it. You just read one verse and think about it all day. Just think about that. Think about what the writer's saying. Christ rose from the dead. That's important. That is supreme. The eternal one, the awesome, unique, proud, thunderous, living God outside of eternity, wrapped himself up and came into the earth, lived for us to show us the way back unto the Father, went to the cross, died on the cross, or a tree, because the Bible said it was a tree. He goes in the grave and stays there for three full days, comes out with all power in his hand, and tells the disciples, I want you to know that I'm alive and well. And I'm not worried about nothing, so don't you worry about nothing. Look at what he tells them, and he ends this. He said, go and teach them to do, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He said, don't worry. You said, how can Christ be with us? How can he be with us? In the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he is with us. He's with us in the presence and the power of the Ruach HaKadosh. He said, I am with you always. All you got to do is call upon me when the enemy is attacking. All you got to do is seek my face when you're going through problems. All you got to do is call upon me when you have that need. I will supply all your needs according unto my riches in glory. He didn't say you had to have anything. He didn't say, I'll do it for you. Just call upon me. Seek my kingdom and help those that need me. And I'm going to make sure that you're taking care of them. I'm going to make sure that you have what you want. I'm going to make sure that you get what you need. You ain't got to go out here and sell no drugs. You ain't got to do none of that. All you got to do is trust the Lord. In 62 years, I never smoked drugs. Never drank the beer. 
Never had crack cocaine. In 62 years, I have never had a desire for that mess. I smoked one half a pack of cigarettes. I stayed sick for two weeks. I gave up smoking immediately. Because I smoked them all the same day in the bathroom. I was trying to hide. The Lord whipped my tail for two weeks. To this day, I can't even stand the smell of a cigarette. If you want to quit something, ask God to take it from you. I didn't get hooked. I didn't get hooked on it. I didn't get hooked. I did it enough to make me sick enough to not ever want to do it again. But some of this stuff, it's got chemicals in it. It will hook you. And you can't turn it loose. God has to help you turn it loose. Alcohol has got stuff in it. It will hook you. I had a friend of mine. God is my witness. And I'm going to wrap this up. My friend, he drank teacher scotch. He smoked Marlboro cigarettes. And he chased it with Bud Light. Every single day from the day I knew him to the day he died. And I said, do you have a death wish? Well, that stuff going to eventually kill you. You don't have to do that stuff. Say, Lord, I can't help it. I just got to have a cigarette. The nigga thing is about to kill me. The withdrawal symptoms is about to drive me insane. You can do it. You can handle it. We all have something that's given us withdrawal symptoms. I drink coffee. If I go a day without it, I feel like my head's going to explode. But I ain't going to give it up because I've been drinking it forever. It ain't, I ain't giving up my coffee. No, just don't come around and when you see these things, stay away. I'm not giving up coffee because it ain't killing me. It's just something I enjoy drinking. But that's some of that other stuff is taking you out. Y'all gonna wake up dead. Y'all heard what Mr. Brown said? People dying ain't never died before. Think about it. Just think about that. People say things and you don't ever think about it. You just Listen to what they say and laugh. But think about some of the things that people tell you. If you think about things, you're going to find out that I need to make a change. I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need to give this stuff up because it's not helping me. If something is not helping you, if it's not moving you forward, if it's not increasing your life, I'm not talking about nothing illegal either. Every day, go punch the clock and do like other people do, work. You can sleep at night. You got to worry about whether nobody coming after you for their drug money. Or whether somebody going to take you out on your corner. For being in their territory. You don't have to worry about stuff like that. Because God is going to have your back. Go to bed at night and say, Father, cover me in the blood. Cover my family in the blood. Cover my ministry in the blood. Cover my people in the blood. Keep them well tonight. I wake up in the middle of the night and just pray for people that sit sometimes. Say, Father, give them strength. Sometimes I call somebody and they'll say I'm having a real bad day and we'll pray right then. So that's your brother, let's pray about it. You've got to keep people covered. You've got to pray for yourself, but you've got to pray together. That's why I always say this. I love you and there is nothing you can do about it. That's what Christ did. He loved the church. He cared for the church. He did what he needed to do. See, Christ died for the church. He told Peter, we talked about it last week, upon this rock, I will build my church. It don't belong to the bishop. It don't belong to the pastor. 
It don't belong to the deacon board. Don't belong to the trustees. God said, if you steal one penny, you're going to give an account. One penny. You're going to give an account. That's his money. It's the upbuilding of his kingdom. You're not, you might have gotten by, but you ain't got a weapon. Lord going to strike you down. He said, this is my house. I'm going to build the church. What Peter had the bag and he was stealing out the bag. There was so much in there, the church didn't even miss it, but he was still stealing and Jesus knew it. Because God will reveal it to his servant. And say, yep, you know, so and so doing such a thing. No, Lord, I didn't know that. But now you know. And we don't say nothing. We say, Lord, we give it to you. You take care of it. You handle it. That's what Christ is saying. Give your life to God. Give it to him. Let him handle it. Let him work it out. If you trust God and let God do these things for you, he said, seek the kingdom and all of his righteousness. And every single thing you need. Listen, I have been to the place where I thought I didn't have a sin in my pocket. And this lady walked up to me one day and I'm done. This lady walked up to me and she said, young man, was at the grocery store. She said, give me a dollar. I said, a dollar? I said, I ain't got but one dollar. She said, I promise you, if you give me that dollar, you'll never be broke again in your life. And I gave her that dollar. I was in my about maybe 17, 18 years old. And I took that dollar out of my pocket and I gave it to her. And from that day to this day, I have never, ever, ever been broke. She said, I'm going to pray that God will bless you and give you everything you want. And I have never wanted for nothing. And I have never, ever from that day to this day been broke. Somebody, all I can get almost there, and somebody always walk up and hand me a piece of money. <laughs> somebody always walk up and bless me. Because what? Obedience sometimes is better than sacrifice. You think if you hold on to it, you're going to be blessed. But when somebody walk up in you, it could be an angel in disguise, and God may be testing you to see what you're going to do. So he said, beware of angels, of strangers, because they could be angels unaware. We have to be careful how we treat people when they come into God's house. Amen. We have to show love and compassion for the people. People go to church every Sunday, but the Lord is not there. The love of Christ is not there. The love of the fellowship is not there. People come in here and they can feel the presence of God. They can feel the love and the ministry. And that's what it's supposed to be like. Hallelujah. People ought to want to get up and come to church. Hallelujah. But they don't want to come to church now. But wait till in the morning. The city will be empty because everybody's going to be on the job. Somebody's phone's playing something. I'm done. God said, receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. He rose today for your salvation. He rose today that you may have a right to the tree of life. I don't care whether you feel like you can live right or not. Don't worry about that. Just receive him as Lord and Savior. If you receive him as Lord and Savior, let him do the work. After a while, all that stuff is going to fall off. Trust me, all that stuff is going to come to a head and God will start removing it out of your life. We all work on things that we need to get right with God. And we have to say, Lord, you got to help me with this because I can't do it myself. And then let him help you. You can't do it. You got to let God do it for you. 
And if he do it, it'll be done correctly. But if you try to do it, you're going to mess it up. Every time. Look back in your life and see all the mistakes you done screwed up. God says, receive me as Lord and Savior. Trust me. I will take care of you. I will meet your every need. Let us stand for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come this morning to give you praise. We thank you for this message, for this day, and for this hour. We thank you for all of these souls that have set up under the word today. We thank you, Savior, for raising from the dead, getting up early this morning, that we too may have an opportunity and a right unto the tree of life. Until life eternal, we thank you, Father, for the word. We thank you for your glorious power. We thank you for your mighty acts, your excellence. We thank you, Father, for just allowing us to assemble in the house of worship one more time, one more Resurrection Sunday to give you praise and to give you glory. Father, don't let it be our last time. Let us continue to come and give you praise. Let us continue to come and give you glory. Let us continue to come and bless your holy and righteous name. Let us continue to seek you in all of the areas of our lives where we like your power and your presence. We pray for that soul that may not know you in the free part of their sins. We pray that they will come and confess Jesus as Lord and Savior today. That they will ask you to be Lord of their life. To transform their heart and their mind. That they too will have a life of eternity with you in the heavens. We bless you today. We edify and glorify your name. We magnify and exalt and praise you. For you're worthy of all praise. We bless you for these that are here. Father, they didn't have to come. But I thank you. Let this congregation love on every one of them. And let them know that we appreciate them taking our time to give you some of their time. We bless you this morning. We praise you. We glorify and we ask these blessings. Cover this house in Yeshua's blood. Protect families and sons and daughters and grandchildren and great-grands and great-great-grands. Bless mothers and fathers. Give them strength to govern their homes and watch over their children. We just bless you today and praise you for this opportunity. We pray for churches around the city, state, and the country. We pray for the leader of this nation, that you give them wisdom to God and guide this country. Lord, have mercy on these United States. We just pray your mercy upon this nation. Father, be with us today. Cover us in the blood and keep us all safe. We ask these blessings now in Christ Yeshua's mighty name. And for his name's sake, we pray and ask it. And all of God's people say, Amen.